10 to 1, episode 95. Advice for pregnancy and postpartum. Welcome to 10 to 1, the podcast where we make top 10 lists about everything. I'm Brian Kozer. And I'm Melissa Kozer. And this is part two in a series I'm doing on child raising. And so this one I will be doing all on my own. Brian's just going to be <laughs> giving his little comments and perhaps criticisms. We'll see what he comes up with. Who knows? I rarely Who criticize. Who knows what goes on in that mind of yours? And only when... Only one necessary, huh? (laughs) Yes. Okay, so this one is going to be uh, just some advice regarding my experiences of having been pregnant and then going through labor and then postpartum. It will be kept clean and family-friendly, nothing graphic, so uh, hopefully we haven't lost most of our audience by now. (laughs) But I hope it'll be very helpful for anybody who is about to, you know, they're thinking about having a baby or perhaps your wife is pregnant right now and you can pass pass along this advice. Uh, I, I mean, feel free to disregard it if you think none of my points are valid. But I have, two chi- have had two children, so I feel like I do have some experience in this area. Yeah. So maybe don't disregard everything I say as <laughs> not having any merit. Okay. So, we're just going to start with uh, during pregnancy, and we'll go through labor and postpartum, you know, chronologically like that, and I've just got 10 points, so stick around, and we'll get through this. Ready? Let's do it. Number one, get a doctor or midwife, obviously. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, get get a support team going through this. Uh, I have never had a midwife. And so I don't know what it's like to, you know, have a midwife at a birthing center or at a, you know, a home birth or something like that. I have a lot of friends who have praised it up and down and have said there is no other way to give birth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're giving birth in a hospital, then you're just doing the worst. Well, they're not saying this, but I feel like (laughs) I'm doing the worst thing possible by giving birth to my baby in a place where germs like to, uh, you know, grow and, and yeah, and that's where all the sick people are, and you're exposing <laughs> your child to sick things and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, people can get a little bit uppity on this subject, a little bit touchy and sensitive. Uh, I think if you are able to have a midwife assist you, that's great. And if that's what you've chosen, wonderful. Uh, Just bear in mind that there are some states like Alabama and perhaps some others that outlaw midwifery. Outlaw, yeah. Outlaw. And so, uh, you know, I'm not going to drive an hour just to go visit a midwife in Florida Mm. every time I need a doctor's visit and, oh, wait, I'm having labor pains and maybe this is the time to go see the doctor. Uh, and you're not supposed to go see the doctor until it's uh, they're five five minutes apart, I think it is, your contractions. And so at that point, 
I'm not going to make it an hour if I have to drive, uh, you know, across the Florida or the Alabama border to get into Florida where it would be legal for the midwife to meet, meet me. That's just stupid. But I know I've read of people who do that, and I think that is dumb, okay? Just get a doctor in your state. Don't dry, Don't be so desperate to have the birthing experience everybody says is the best, and then actually endanger your child by driving for an hour to try and get to that experience, okay? That's just dumb. So, get a doctor or midwife, whatever, whatever you want, but whatever get one that's your in your area. Now, if you're getting a doctor, get a man, okay? There's a lot of ladies who are like, oh, I can't, I could never have a male doctor, you know, it's seeing me in my private area and stuff. Okay, you want a male doctor because uh, they're only going to look at you professionally, okay? They're a doctor. They're, they've, mm-hmm. they're not thinking anything. Uh, secondly... They are more sympathetic. They've <laughs> never been through childbirth. They can only imagine what it must be like. And so they're not going to be like, suck it up, honey. You know, mine was a lot worse than yours. They've never been through childbirth. So they'll <laughs> just be like, oh, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Um, and thirdly, male doctors leave their feelings at home. Okay. When hmm. with my first pregnancy... Uh, I was like, I want a female doctor. And so I went and got one and she, I don't know if she'd been having a bad day or whatever, but, uh, I was not the standard patient who just was going in and, oh yes, whatever the doctor, uh, says I'll do. I wanted to, wanted to know why do the doctors say to do these things? And I think that is fair, Mm -hmm. you know? Before I do what the doctor says I should do, I think it's fair for me to know why. Um, And she didn't want to explain it. And so she ended up blowing up at me. Uh, She she left me in tears. She walked out of the hospital room on my first visit. No, it was my second visit with her. Walked out of the room, disowned me as her client. (laughs) I was left in tears. And I felt like my world had shattered. My, you know, the world was ending. Uh, you know, when you're when you're pregnant, your hormones are all over the place. Your emotions as well. And I was like, I'm no, no doctor will accept me. I'm unloved. I'm gonna have to give birth at home by myself, and and I don't know what I'm gonna do. And uh, of course, I found another doctor, and he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's a man, okay? <laughs> and uh, men are a lot better at compartmentalizing things. And so if they're having a bad, uh, they have a bad uh, situation at home or something, they can leave their home situation at home and they don't bring <laughs> the stress and worry of it to work with them. <laughs> so if you can get a midwife, that's great. If you have <laughs> to get a doctor, get a male doctor, okay? So... <laughs> That's point number one, advice number one, just get get someone, get a medical professional. Number two. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Trivia question. Who is the first president born in a hospital? I don't know. Guess. John Adams. <laughs> Later. <laughs> okay. Um, George Bush. Uh, earlier. <laughs> or closer. A lot closer. Really? Yeah. It was this. 
It was uh, in the 1900s. That's your clue. Whoa. Um, John F. Kennedy. Later. Goodness, just tell me. Jimmy Carter was the first president born in a hospital. That's crazy. He was born in the 1920s. Wow. And every president before that was... Home birth. Yep. Wow, all right. common back then. Crazy, right? Yeah, these days, home births are kind of the the extreme, not the norm. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting how that's flip-flopped. Right. Okay, so did you have any comments about Uh, what I said? Hmm... I think that was it. Okay. So have you been listening to anything I've been saying? Yep. <laughs> or have you just been looking up fun trivia for yourself? Oh, that that one I already knew off the top of my head. Um, That's one I shared at work oh, honey. the other day. So. Oh, my dear. Uh, yep. Male doctor good, female doctor bad. Well, uh, female midwives I've heard are really good. Fe- female midwife, not worth it. That's what I got from you. <laughs> Uh, all of my <laughs> friends that have had midwives <laughs> attend them say they are the bomb diggity. But I wouldn't know. I'm just going <laughs> off my experience. All right. Point number two. Do your research. Okay? Read all you can and ask questions. Uh, you know, what's normal. Uh, there's a book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. And it's a great book. Great, informative read and... Uh, it, it's, it had a lot of quite, uh, answers to all my questions and I would steer away from most of the mothering forums online that are like, uh, you know, it's uh, someone posts a question, I'm going through this. What do you ladies think I should do? And mm-hmm. then you'll get all sorts of answers and, <laughs> uh, none of them are medical or professional and I don't know. I I don't think those are very helpful. Most of the time, hmm. it's just, oh, I'm sorry you're going through that, honey, but best of luck to you and hang in there. It's so worth it. We've all been through it, and that's <laughs> nice. Sympathy is a nice thing to get, but sometimes you really need solutions. You really need answers, and uh, mothering forums are not the place to get them. <laughs> uh, very... Uh, very wishy-washy places at best. So <laughs> stay away from those. I would search the web, ask your doctor, and check out that What to Expect When You're Expecting book. Um, now, realize that there are multiple viewpoints to consider about lots of different topics. One of them being where you should give birth. Uh, mm. Others would be should you get an epidural or not? There are some people that, that, you know, they get an epidural first thing they do when they go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And other people are like, no, epidurals are, out, are of the devil and <laughs> you're half killing your baby. You know, there is almost no chance they'll be born alive if you get an epidural. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, just read both sides of every issue. Uh, should you opt for certain things or opt out of them? Realize that you do have a say in the matter, uh, but also just acknowledge that you probably don't know more than the doctor, okay? As educated as you get, you probably aren't going to know more than the medical professional, okay? They've spent a lot more time researching this than you have. All the same, though, take classes, uh, read all you can, uh, know what you're getting into, and... Know that hospital births are not inferior, okay? I said that in point number one, I think. 
But just in case I didn't, I'm going to say it again because uh, all my friends that had midwives attend them, uh, I'm sure they did not mean to make it sound like this, but I came away with the impression that I was not doing the best thing possible for my child by giving birth in a hospital. And that's nonsense, okay? Hospital births are just as valid as your wonderful home birthing experience. And it's all about what kind of a doctor you get, what kind of hospital you choose. Uh, You can make it, you know, you can make a hell of heaven or a heaven of hell, okay? (laughs) As, who is it, John Milton said in Paradise Lost? (laughs) Something like that. All right, so that is number two, research. Number three is a lot more simple. Set aside some money for a splurge after you've had the baby, okay? This one I have only thought, I I only just figured out after my second baby, but it's so true, okay? So you've been through, uh, you know, the nine months of, of having a baby, of being pregnant, then you go to the hospital, you give birth, and then after that, you are going to be off your feet for, well, not literally off your feet, but you're not going to be doing very much for the next month, more likely two months, okay? Because for the for that first month especially, but even for the first two months, you have a very needy newborn who will need you mostly every two hours. That's about every every time that they need to feed. And even if you're bottle feeding, that's still a lot of attention and love and care. Um, and you know you're pretty much constantly holding the baby, and that's you know that's great. But two months of nonstop caring for someone else can leave you feeling a little drained make that very drained. And sometimes you just need a break, especially after two months straight. So set aside some money, maybe $40 now, set it aside now so that after a month or two, you can hand the baby off to your spouse or another caregiver, some babysitter or something, and, you know, go spend a day at the salon, not a day at the salon, but maybe one or two hours. You could go get your nails done, go get a massage, just do something different that makes you feel better. You could go shopping, whatever it is that's going to make your spirits feel lifted. Uh, go do that, okay? So that's my number three, set aside some money for a splurge. And what do you think of that, Brian? Uh... Yeah, that's fine. Um, sure. I, I guess I don't really feel strongly. Okay. Well, one way or the other. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I feel strongly. I feel really strongly on this one. And uh, most of my mother friends that I've talked to, uh, you know, after two months, they are itching to get out of the house and just do something, something different just for a day or so with some girlfriends and uh but then you know they don't have the money or something and so it's hard to uh either find the time or find a baby's find someone that they can pay and then they might not have the money so that's why i'm saying scrimp while you can right now (laughs) while you're pregnant and save the money for that rainy day when you need it okay 
All right, number four is make some freezer meals. This mm, yeah, that's is very important. Um, sure, you can get by on just fast food, but that's not very healthy. <laughs> um, plus, it's not very economical. And even if you're doing really easy meals like spaghetti, which requires pretty much no planning ahead or anything like that, it's still going to feel like a lot of work in that first month after you've given birth. So get some stuff, some casseroles made ahead of time that you can put in the freezer and then uh, make sure you've got the directions and instructions on them. And that way, when the time comes, all you've got to do is pull it out of, out of the freezer the night before, let it thaw overnight in the fridge, and then in the morning, you can like stick it in the crock pot or stick it in the oven, whatever the instructions say to do. In fact, I've got a pretty good system worked out. So you ask maybe four or five friends to come over to your house for a couple of hours, set a day and a time, and then maybe make a grocery list for maybe 10, 10 recipes and make enough of each recipe that will feed you for at least two meals, your family hmm. for at least two meals. Go out and buy all the ingredients and then get everything all set up the day before your your friends arrive. Okay, so uh, get, get out Ziploc bags, write down on them uh, the ingredients list and the directions. Uh, tape those instructions to the, the freezer bags. Get out all the dry ingredients and have all of the, like, the meat and dairy that is going to need to be added right up there at the front of your fridge where it's easy to reach. And then the day that everybody comes to help prepare, all they have to do is read the instructions on each Ziploc bag that say, add this, then add that, then <laughs> add this ingredient. And... Uh, nice. As easy as that, you've got people that are doing all of the chopping, all of the preparation and stuff. And all you had to do was write down some instructions. So that makes it easier for you when you're eight or nine months pregnant. Uh, they're doing most of the labor. And you can get a bunch of meals knocked out in a couple of hours. Now, I would recommend, in addition to getting maybe eight or ten meals in the freezer, try to also get some snack stuff set aside as well. Because you're going to get very hungry postpartum. Your body will have gone through a lot of work in giving birth to the child. And uh, especially if you're breastfeeding after that, uh, you are going to lead a lot of, need a lot of nutrition. So in addition to meals, have some really healthy, nutritious snacks around. I like to have granola bars. Um, uh, we make breakfast burritos that uh, we can stick in the freezer and then they reheat really easily in the microwave. You want stuff that's going to be either really easy to cook or you can, or no cook at all, no prep at all. Apples are really good too, really great snack. Nuts, cheese, things like that. So that's number four, make freezer meals. Yeah, that, that's a really smart idea. I like it. That, that seems like one that wouldn't necessarily be obvious, too. Yeah, I I don't think I did. I did a little bit of, of preparation before Lydia was born, our first child. I made some breakfast burritos, but that was it. 
Uh, the second time around, I realized how nice it was to have all those meals ahead of time. And so I definitely made sure to have some ladies come over. And it was such a blessing. All right, number five, pack a hospital bag. Okay, so you want to bring anything that you're going to need to be comfortable at the hospital. Basically, when you're uh, going, you want this packed ahead of time, ahead of time, so that when you feel the contractions getting more intense, all you have to do is grab the bag or even already have it out in the car at that point uh, when you know that you're due any day and say, let's go to the hospital and your, your husband or whoever's taking you to the hospital will bring the bag with you and you'll have everything you want in there. Okay. Yep. So here's what you should, what you should bring. And now there are a lot of lists on Pinterest, on the internet of things you should pack in your hospital bag. And a lot of them have nonsense in them. Okay. Here is what you really need <laughs> to have in your hospital bag. And okay. I'm talking from experience. Okay. First off, bring earplugs to the hospital, okay? <laughs> After you give birth, they're going to keep you in the hospital for at least two days. At least three if you've had a C-section, okay? Because they want to make sure that your blood pressure is stabilized, that, uh, you know, whatever. Everything is fine with you and you're not going to go into cardiac arrest or whatnot after, uh, after giving birth. Go into some sort of stress-related something. Okay, and that's good. That's good that they keep you and they monitor you. Okay, so bring earplugs. You're going to be super tired and exhausted. But hospitals can be a little bit loud, a little bit busy. And so you want to get your rest. Especially since once you go home, you don't have anybody else, no nurses that you can pass the baby off to after the baby's been fed and changed, but they just won't go to sleep. Okay. So this is your chance to get some good, much-needed sleep. Bring those earplugs. They will help you so much. Also, you want to bring some small essential toiletries, like maybe a bar of soap, some uh, a small travel-sized shampoo and conditioner so, so that you can take a shower. If your hospital has one, um, I'm very blessed. Our hospital is state-of-the-art, and they've got a uh, little... Shower that you can have all to yourself in your own private room. You'll want your toothbrush, toothpaste, hairbrush, things like that that just help you to feel a little more human. Uh, you'll want some warm pajamas because hospitals are cold places, you know, to keep the, to slow the spread of bacteria and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, bring some fuzzy socks and whatnot. And then you'll want a change of clothes so that you're not going home in your pajamas. Unless you're fine with going out in public in your pajamas, then cool. Forget that one. And last but not least, you'll want to bring anything that you need to help you be comfortable while you're in labor. labor. Okay, so for me, that's uh, two small pillows to help prop me up. Uh, with my first child, I had a lot of back labor. And I was constantly shifting around, and they give you like two two pillows or whatever, but uh, you know sometimes they're a little bit worn in. They're not as stiff as they need to be to actually provide good back support. And my back would have been killing me even more if I had not brought my two little pillows to help prop me up. Uh, I've also got a heated rice pack that I can heat up in a microwave and. 
then put on sore sore spots and that was wonderful um some people take music that helps them feel more relaxed you know just whatever is going to help you feel more comfortable and one more thing bring some form of entertainment uh for the couple of days after you've given birth before you're released because you are going to be busy with trying to get some sleep Uh, And then being woken up for nurses to check your blood pressure or for uh, you to feed the baby or whatnot. And then there's going to be people coming by to see your child and ooh and ah and whatnot. But then there are going to be other times where it's just you in the room. And you're not tired, but you can't really get up and walk around because you're still really weak. So bring a book or, or whatever that you need to do uh, that'll, you know, just keep your mind busy, okay? So that's my number five, pack a hospital bag. Yep. All right, well, I guess you don't really have too much to say on this one. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I took uh, a sweatshirt to the hospital because it was cold. That's about it. Yeah. Slept at home, I think. Yeah. So. All right, number six, get one and I would say at the most two very close people to stay by your side in the hospital. So a husband or your mother or a super close family friendly family member or friend, okay? Uh, these people are going to be seeing you at some of the most, what, how should I say it? At a very private and vulnerable time, Okay. And they will be seeing things that they will not unsee. So it needs to be someone who is not going to faint, who's not going to run out of the room on you, who's going to stick by your side through thick and thin and support you no matter what. They're going to uh, be the one who calls the shots if for whatever reason you... Uh, I don't know, your blood pressure spikes and you slip into unconsciousness and somebody needs to make the decisions... Uh, The doctor needs somebody's consent before they can, you know, take you in for surgery or something like that. They're going to have to be the cool-headed person giving consent or just whatever, helping you out. So make sure it's someone who has your best interest in mind, who's very, very close for you, a strong right wing. Right hand? No, right wing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Hopefully you have a left wing as well or you... We'll be flying in circles. (laughs) Troll. (laughs) Just showing that I'm paying attention. Thanks, I guess. (laughs) And also, this is the person who's going to be running and fetching things for you. So make sure it's somebody who's easygoing, too. So that's number six. Get somebody to go through it with you. Number seven. We're in labor now. Embrace the pain. It'll help you breathe. Okay, so nobody likes to feel pain. And so we try to tense up and reject it and Mm. and sort of close our minds to it. But when you do that, when you tense up, you automatically constrict your muscles. You sort of fight against it. You hold your breath. And that can make your body go into fight or flight mode, which actually slows down labor. Okay? And you don't want that. (laughs) 
you don't want to extend labor any longer <laughs> than, than it's got to go. So uh, it's not it's not going to be fun going through labor. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, but just embrace the pain. Just breathe through it and, and let it come to you. Because the longer that you you tense up and reject the pain, the longer your your labor is going to be, and that's going to make you more tired, and it'll be harder, uh, a much harder labor. Uh, now every birth is going to be different. Okay, so for my first child, Lydia, I had at least a twelve-hour labor. I went into the hospital at five thirty. And then she was she was born at six six thirty or almost seven actually. Yeah. Um. Like I I wasn't feeling contractions that whole time, but in fact I didn't feel most of the contractions because I had such bad back pain, and that's back labor. It's when the baby's spine is kind of grating across your spine, basically, and so. Uh, I was in such pain from that that I didn't really feel most of my contractions. And um, the nurse would say, oh, you're having a big con contraction right now, and I'd barely feel it. Uh, so I didn't really know what it was like to uh, go through an actual big contraction until my second birth with Amber. And that was a very, very short labor. First one was 12 hours, 13, I guess, technically. Second one was about, uh, was it five hours? Was she born at seven, I think? I think she, I have it yeah. written down somewhere. <laughs> so we went, we got into the hospital at three in the morning. At five, they put me on, oh, what's that? What's that medicine or whatever that they give? Pitocin? Pitocin, yeah. To help, help speed things up mm -hmm. because... They also had to give me. They had to give me something because my blood pressure was spiking, and so then, um, man, I'm blanking on what it's called now. They gave me. It's the name of a metal. What does it do? It helped to bring my blood pressure down. Oh. Um, anyway, since hmm. my blood pressure was down, that started to slow down remember. labor. So they gave me pitocin to, to keep things moving. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and that was a super intense labor. That last hour or so was really awful, but it ended up going even faster. And what I've heard is the more intense it is, the faster the labor is. So anyway, just bear in mind that every labor is going to be different. And just because uh, you might have had the, you know, a labor that you didn't need an epidural for uh, doesn't mean that uh, another lady should also go without an epidural and uh, therefore you can get on your high horse and judge her. <laughs> now, I've never had an epidural, but I can definitely see why ladies uh, opt for them. And I'm not judging. <laughs> I think it's up to the woman, uh, the woman's decision. So anyway, just to sum up, Embrace the pain, and uh, I guess don't judge other women if <laughs> uh, they don't have as high a pain tolerance as you do. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Amber was born at 7.16 a.m. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for the clarification. All and right. I don't remember the blood pressure, lowering blood pressure, pressure yeah. medication. Oh, it's a good trivia question, though. So I've got to, <laughs> I'm treating it as a trivia question. So I've got to, I've got to find it. That. It makes me think of of the name of a metal for some reason. Hmm. Okay, I'll think about it. I know it's really bothering me now that I can't think of it. Oh well. All right, number eight. So we've gotten through labor now, and my number eight is don't be surprised if you don't feel a loving glow when you f- first see your baby, okay? <laughs> I have read so many articles of women when they first had their baby, as soon as the baby was placed in my arms, <laughs> all the pain was forgotten Nothing else existed but me and you in that moment. Mm-hmm. As I gazed down into your sweet little face that was screaming bloody murder up at you, okay? Look, I'm glad for those ladies that had such a powerful connection as soon as they held their baby in their arms. That's wonderful. I didn't. I didn't with either of mine, okay? I just went through a hor- Well, not horrible, but... um. <laughs> You know, because I have a good hospital and great doctors and nurses. But labor is hard. Pregnancy is hard. And, you know, you've been wanting to meet your baby, but it's it's a difficult process. You finally got through it. And there's a lot that happens during labor. I'm not going to get graphic, but things get messy. And a mother who has just given birth is hungry She's tired. I mean, she's exhausted. She's filthy. Possibly still in some pain, depending on uh, how traumatic a birth it was. And honestly, probably wanting some privacy after, you know, everybody being around her and 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 handling her in different ways. Uh, I don't know about you, but those don't really put me in the mood for <laughs> tender moments, Okay. Uh, I'm not going to feel super loving when I'm tired, hungry, filthy, and in pain. Mm. Okay? So don't feel like you're a horrible mother if you don't feel that loving glow right when, right after you give birth. Okay? It'll take time. And you'll, you'll learn to grow, your, grow to love your little baby. Uh, just, you know, ease into it. Some women, they feel love right at the moment. And that's great. <laughs> and others have to ease into it, and they never speak out about it because uh, they feel embarrassed and ashamed that they they didn't feel that loving glow. And I'm here to tell you, it's okay. You'll feel the love eventually. <laughs> and I can't say when it'll happen for you, but it'll come, okay? You're not a horrible mother. <laughs> All right, so that's my number eight. The love will come, I guess, to sum up. All right, number nine. Um, here is one of the biggest debates, I guess. Uh, there's a lot of bad-mouthing that goes on on both sides of this issue. It's about whether you should bottle feed or breastfeed. And there's the slogan, breast is best. And, uh, uh oh, you've huh. never heard that one? Oh, yeah. I guess I um, haven't. And basically, there's a lot of women out there that, uh, again... Just like if you don't have a home birth, uh, your child will uh, never make it out alive. And basically, a lot of a lot of women, if you don't 
uh, breastfeed your child, then you are, you're basically, you might as well just uh, leave your child dead on the side of the road or something because you're just ending <laughs> your child's life before it can really begin. You're give, getting them off to a horrible start by feeding them formula. And how could you, how dare you, uh, you should, you do better to give your child up for adoption and put that child in a, a loving family rather than raise them on the bottle. Okay, so here's the fact of the matter. Um, I have nursed both my children uh, for the recommended time, which is one year at least. Um, And breastfeeding is easier after the first six weeks, okay? So when you're doing all the research, everybody's going to say, oh, breastfeeding is so much easier and it's so much better. Yes, I will say it is better for the baby, but it is stinking hard for those first six weeks, okay? Um, The baby will instinctively suck, but uh, they have to be taught how to do it correctly. And I'm not going to get into much detail, but if they don't do it correctly, it's going to be very painful and it's going to be awful, okay? So there's going to be a lot of work that you as the mother are going to have to put into teaching your baby how to nurse correctly. (laughs) Some babies nurse correctly right from the start. And if you are lucky enough to have that kind of a baby, I'm a little jealous of you because both my children had to be taught. (laughs) But after the first six weeks, it does get easier. Babies get a lot better at nursing. They're not nursing as often. When they're first born, they're nursing every two hours. But after the first six weeks, uh, uh, things kind of even out. They, they don't have to nurse as often. So you're able to get a little bit of a break. And uh, by that point, you've both gotten time to uh, get accustomed to each other, learn each other's cues, and how to, how to make it work. So I would recommend... If you're if you're a little scared about uh, if you want really want to try this, give it a try for at least six weeks because breastfeeding is a lot better for the baby. Okay, I'm not gonna deny nobody denies that. Um, I'm not judging you if you choose formula feeding, but bear in mind that is gonna be a lot more expensive uh, for your family. So if you can try to breastfeed, it's better. It's cheaper. And after the first six weeks, it does get easier. That's my number nine. Last but not least, number ten, give yourself some grace that first month postpartum, okay? For some reason, our society, uh, when a woman is pregnant, they mollycoddle her, okay? She can't carry even her purse sometimes. Oh, that's too heavy. Let me carry that for you. Uh... Oh, you better not walk up the steps. Let's take the ramp, the wheelchair ramp instead. Uh, and all these things, sometimes it's utter nonsense. And, uh, you know, we're people, we can handle ourselves. If we can't handle it, we will tell you, and then you can help us. Uh, so our society tends to really coddle pregnant women, but then it seems as if the moment they've had the baby, most people expect the, the mother to just bounce back and uh, be back at her job after a week or two of, um, uh, what's that, P- maternity parental leave. leave, maternity leave, yeah. And 
as mothers, we kind of tend to do the same thing for ourselves, okay? I know from my experience and some other uh, fellow mothers that I've talked to, um, we give ourselves grace for maybe a week, a week or two. But honestly, it takes more than two weeks to fully recover from childbirth, okay? Your hormones are still going to be out of whack after two weeks. Uh, your body is still recovering. Uh, you're still regaining strength, especially since you're going to be having a lot of sleepless nights. It's not going to be that quick to bounce back. And so give yourself some grace. It's okay if the dishes pile up. It's okay if the laundry piles up and it just stays in the dryer and it never gets folded, you know, and you, that's basically how you're getting your clean clothes is you're just digging through the dryer all the time. You're going to hate it. You're going to feel like you're a horrible mother, a horrible wife or a housekeeper. You're not, okay? You've just been through a whole lot. It's okay. You will get back to being what you used to be eventually. And it's all right. That first month is survival mode. And don't feel bad about how the house might look. So that's my my 10. Give yourself grace. <laughs> so we'll run through these really quick. Get a doctor or a midwife. Research. Set aside some money. Prepare freezer meals. Pack a hospital bag. Get some hospital buddies. Embrace the pain. You may not feel love. Try nursing and give yourself grace. All right. So thanks for sticking through. <laughs> this journey with me. I really hope this has been a help to some mother out there, someone who is uh, pregnant right now or just had a baby or uh, a young couple that's thinking about having a baby. If there are any things that, any suggestions of what you've experienced uh, that you think I should know about, I would love to hear about that because uh, I don't think we're done having children. I think we're hoping for two more. So uh, if you, there's any suggestions you might have for helping me get through the gamut a little easier next time, I'd love to hear it. Uh, you can email us, tto at coser.us, or go to our website, tto.coser.us, slash, what number? 95. 95. Any further thoughts, Brian? I don't think so. Don't really have a lot to add to the topic. <laughs> but I think you covered it pretty, pretty well. Okay. So our next episode is going to be top 10 TV show intros. Still putting that list together. That's going to be a fun one. So until then, I'm Brian Kozer. And I'm Melissa Kozer. And you've been listening to 10 to 1. Lisinopril. No. Atenolol. No. Bistolic. No. Diovan. No. Hydrochlorothiazide. No. Amlipidine besylate. No. Metoprolol succinate. No. Norvas. No. Toprol XL. No. Benicar. No. Metoprolol tartrate. No. Losartran potassium. No. Lisinopril hydrochlorothiazide. No. 
Clonidine HCI. No. Clonidine HCI ER. No. Diavan HCT. No. Cozar. No. Spironolactone. No. Propranolol. No. Propranolol. No. Propranolol. No. Carvadolol. No. Azor. No. Coreg. No. Xforge. No. Avapro. No. Latrell. No. Lotrell. No. Lotrell. No. Forosamide. No. Verapamil. No. Lasix. No. Tecturna. No. Enelapril maleate. No. Macardis. No. Ramapril. No. Diltiazem. No. Lopressor. No. Macardis HCT. No. Labatolol. No. Terazosin. No. Atacand. No. Tribenzor. No. Doxazosin. No. Valsartan. No. Nifedipine. No. Aldactone. No. Bisoprolol fumarate. No. Cardia XT. No.